Welcome to We the Women. This is our celebration of the 19th Amendment. Exactly 100 years ago, on August 18, 1920, the 19th Amendment was ratified, giving women the right to vote. To celebrate, we'll be talking to women from around South Carolina, thought leaders, movers and shakers. We'll ask them about how they have used their voice and what they have done to contribute to our great democracy. Enjoy the conversation. In this episode, I interview P.J. Browning, publisher and president of the Post and Courier and Evening Post Publishing Newspaper Group. This project is about the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote. I want to start by asking you about, do you remember your first election you ever got to vote in? Wow. Uh, <laughs> so I was thinking about this, you know, I'm yeah. 55. Okay. So, um, you know, I don't, I can't say that I remember it well, but... I was thinking about all those, you know, when you're that age, all the things that are life-changing from yeah. getting your driver's license to being able to vote. So, um, you know, I, I know I was very excited about it. And, uh, you know, as a kid, very engaged in politics from, yeah. you know, high school and a, a family yeah. background of just, uh, you know, family get-togethers were always taught. We always talked politics. Yeah. So, Is that something you're comfortable doing, being in the news business exercising your right to vote yes yeah. yeah you know i um i always think that you look back on where you came from yeah. and uh i i had two very strong grandmothers i'll say in in my uh family history and uh i think the one that i think of that was very influential was my paternal grandmother and um i love to talk about both of them but uh, you know, family get-togethers, we were very political. But when I look back on, you know, where it came from, uh, you know, she left home to, she was, she grew up in um, North Platte, Nebraska. Okay. And, you know, small she, town. yeah, very small town, but she, she had to leave home to go to high school. Yeah. And, you know, she left home to go live with a political family mm -hmm. that had two kids, and she helped raise the kids and went to high school wow. and got her diploma. Yeah. So it was so, she was this um, interesting rule, yeah. you know, kid growing up, got her high school diploma, uh -huh. lived with a political family, and, and learned so much yeah. about politics that, you know, she didn't necessarily fit the rural prototype sure. or, yeah. or stereotype anymore. But, um, you know, then she had five children, and again, what I remember as a kid growing up is it was always family get-togethers, very political, and yeah. she was right in the middle of it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I never knew any different as right. a female. Sure. And growing up, you know, high school, uh, you know, I always wanted, I was always after some cause. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to run for president from the seventh grade on. I was my class president, student body president, you know. Yeah editor of the newspaper. And so I just never knew any different than sure. to be involved. Right. So I, I take it back to, you know, that family and just how you grow up. Yeah. So now you're the publisher of the Postman Courier. So for people who don't know, do you want to talk about what does a publisher do? Sure. Um, you know, overall, you see the business operations. Yeah. So we have uh, what I love about the business is it's just multiple facets, uh, you know, this mini manufacturing, yeah. you know, from HR to finance to advertising to news. Right. Um, but, you know, everything we do all is because we want to support the First Amendment. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why we do what we do. And ultimately, you know, when we need to raise money on the advertising side or we're having these great events, yeah. 
Uh, you want people to certainly know that the, the newspaper has this good, strong community image, yeah. but ultimately it's, you know, it's the ability through the newsroom to make a difference in the community and be engaged. Yeah. So just overseeing all of that, and you know, every day is yeah. different, yeah. which is super exciting. So one of the things that I've always admired about you is you have this big job, but you also have a big life. You know, you're out and about in the community, maybe less now with COVID, but, you know, I see you on boards, I see you volunteering, and then you have a big family life. You have a little, you know, miniature donkeys. farm. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, how do you balance all those things? Well, um, I have a great support system. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would tell you that growing up, um, you know, when you're young, you think that it's just normal to be busy. And I have I have three children now, adult children. And, you know, my mom used to just laugh and say, you know, I would see you coming and going with the with the kids. And it was like, you know, they were trailing behind you and you guys were just always on the move. But uh, my husband's been very supportive. Mm -hmm incredibly supportive and you know we were both these young managers working 60 hours a week you know who's going to pick up the kids and I've got an early morning and uh you know I mean I I was that employee manager that went in you know with a blue pump on and a brown pump on because you're so tired in the mornings but um we both decided it, it it's kind of a funny story that um we we really needed to concentrate on one career more than the other and he came home one night and he said, you know, he said, I really think you have more of an opportunity as a female yeah. to move with your career. Mm-hmm. And it's so strange because I really, That's I said, you know, it did. Yeah. And I said, you know, it's something that I need to think about. And he knows me well enough that the next night he came home and he said, well, you're not going to need to think on this long because through work, I'd had opportunities, you know, to apply for this and, eh, and of course, we lived around all of our family. And anyway, he came home that night and he said, I went ahead and quit my job today. And uh, I was like, really? you did what? So, um, How old it, were you when that happened? 26. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I, um, uh, I went immediately in. I worked for Gannett. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had passed up some opportunities and I told him, I, I told my boss, I said, next opportunity that comes along, I said, I'm probably going to yeah. be interested in it. And uh, Larry Whitaker was my boss at the time, a great mentor of mine. And uh, it wasn't long before I took my first job as a director Mm -hmm. in Fort Collins, Colorado. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I couldn't have done it without my husband. Sure. The Intertech Group and the Zucker family are proud to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. And you have, you two and the rest of your family, you've moved around the country many times. Many times. Do you want to talk about that, what that's yeah. like to go into a community, new again, prove yourself, figure out what the community needs from its paper? Well, you know, how do you do that? So what's been interesting is when you move with the newspaper, yeah. you know, it's it's a little different. Um, and I guess it's it's automatically puts you in that community group, right? right? Yep. You, you're a part of United Way, you know, you're a part of Rotary, and right. all of a sudden you, you get indoctrinated really quickly right. because of the position at the newspaper and everybody wants your ear. Uh, so I think because of that, it's, it's been great. And for me, it's been, I say the communities are really so similar, yeah. right? It's the people that makes them different. Mm-hmm. 
And I think getting to know the people and what they think is important in their community is always interesting. But they're not so different, but the layers of of people involved. But yeah, it's it's been a phenomenal career. And, you know, you walk away from each community. It's hard to leave a community, super hard to leave a community. But um, you walk away always hoping that you've been able to make a difference in that community. So you moved to Charleston in 2012, is uh-huh. that right? Yeah. Talk about that a little bit, about what was, what was the process of getting to know this city and getting to know this newspaper and its legacy and become a, becoming a part of it. To me, yeah. I meet you and I feel like you've always been here. But you know, And it's weird because you, you kind of feel that way every newspaper um, you go to and you become a part of the fabric of the community. But, um, you know, I love Charleston. And what I said about Charleston, we were in Myrtle Beach before we moved here. And um, and I had always worked for publicly held companies. Uh, my dad and I used to have these, you know, great debates about publicly held companies versus sure. privately held companies. And um, But I had gotten to know the people, the Post and Courier, because we had outsourced printing and packaging. And so over the years, um, got to know them. Mm -hmm. So very close. And um, even when we were in Pennsylvania, Michigan, we would come to Charleston to visit. And my husband and I said, you know, that would be the one place we really were like, okay, we're done moving. Kids are out of college. Um, But man, if we ever had the chance to go to Charleston, that would be great. But, you know, coming to this community, it's, you know, I say it is a, it's uh, that traditional Southern community, you know, very hospitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I felt, of course, very welcoming. Yeah. Um, but learning the fabric of the community, you know, I remember the things that I watch for when we first moved to the community. We yeah. stayed, um, of course, we had to stay at a hotel first, yeah. Yeah. you know, then you get your temporary housing. Yeah. But just, I love to go around when nobody knows who you are yeah. and ask them, well, do you read the Post and Courier? Yeah. You know, well, what do you think about it? Yeah. Or you just watch at a restaurant. Um, are people reading the paper? Are they passing it around? And uh, and I and I, I also, you know, I hope this is okay to, to bring up, but I also look at, like, who's reading the paper. And I can tell you this community, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the black community, uh-huh. And the white community, it was, it was, there was a love yeah. that I felt for the newspaper, and uh, and they they felt good about the newspaper, and you don't always get that. So you know, I thought we, we were at a really good starting place to just right. continue to build on a really great legacy newspaper. Yeah. So, so it's a big responsibility. What do you think makes a good newspaper? Well, connection to the community. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what makes me sad today is, and I still have so many friends in, in uh, newspapers. I've, I lived in nine different states and uh, and have some some great memories, but it makes me sad what, that newspapers have had to regionalize uh, because I think that, you know, in, in my opinion, that's the death of a newspaper. You really need to stay very local um, and, and know what's going on in your community. You know, our reporters... You know, I need to be out in the community. People need to see us at the grocery store. They need to see us at church. Um, you know, our kids in school and, and just that community involvement. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, you know, because we're a, a part of the fabric of the community, right. we're able to report on the community and connect in a way that makes sense. Right. So. So what is it now? Is this July time? Yeah. Um, 
in March, things started to constrict with coronavirus. And, you know, I, we started this conversation by talking about this big life you have, you know, that has constricted too. How has, you know, the last few months changed your life? And what have you learned about what's important and, also, and about newspapers and leadership? Yeah, you know, it's it's become a Zoom world. Yeah. I um, you know, it's it's funny the we still have the board meetings, yeah. right? We have all these meetings and uh I was laughing with somebody I said I I have I see everybody in a whole new light now <laughs> because, you know, it's their dog, their cat, sure. their um I was on a board meeting the other day and the 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 men on the on the meeting, they were just laughing. They're like, "You know what? I haven't had a shirt and tie on, you know, since pre-COVID." Yeah. And so everybody is just more casual right. yeah. in the board meetings yeah. than what you would normally see, you know, shirt and tie. And, yeah. um, but I, I think definitely a Zoom world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I saw everybody in, in the first couple of weeks, it was Zoom overload. Yeah. And then I think everybody just kind of had to find the, the new balance. Yeah. But, you know, we're talking about the 75th anniversary uh, commemorative things, and we're we're doing it on Zoom, or we're doing small group meetings, and so it's like everybody still wants that camaraderie and and that sense of uh, being together, but we're just having to do it a little different. But it's it's been hard, uh, you know, overall on the community, on individuals, yeah. and on our lives. I think everybody's tired. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There has mm-hmm. to be an end to it. There's got to be an end to this. Yeah. Uh, it's like I told the team, it's that hurricane that just, it's just not ever going to end. Right. Uh, right. Makes a hurricane seem so simple now. Right. And that's terrible to say. Yeah. We the Women is brought to you by the Charleston County Democratic Party, encouraging all Democrats in South Carolina to visit us at votebluesc.com, where you can register to vote or request your absentee ballot for November. That web address again is votebluesc.com. So you told me 26 years old, your husband believes in your career and steps back. Uh, You go to Gannett and raise your hand. Um, I don't know about you, but there was a moment in my career, you know, maybe even not that far past it, where I went from, you know, growing and being kind of the student of the career and learning to becoming a mentor, you know, uh, to, to feeling like I understood my my place and giving back. Do you remember that moment for you or that part of your career? Yeah, that gives me goosebumps. That that is such a great question. Um, And, you know, being a female growing up in what was predominantly a male's world when you're talking about newspapers. I mean, I still get Mr. PJ because I guess initials stand for a man's name. Um, But you had... I think females in the workplace, mm-hmm. I was surprised at, um, you know, men would say, okay, it's professional jealousy. And if when I first started out the mm-hmm. business, it almost felt like women didn't work together to promote one another, sure. that you're in this new new business, mm-hmm. this new world. Yeah. And it was almost like you had to work harder. And um, so the it, it was just different than what it is now, which I'm really excited to see where we are today as women and where we've evolved with our relationships and business. Yeah. But mentoring for me has always been incredibly important. Yeah. And over the years, uh, you know, my success for me internally was always defined through the people that 
were promoted that I had the opportunity to work with. But I will tell you from a like a true, true mentoring, it's happened here. And I don't know if it's because, you know, I'm now 55. But, you know, you do, I think, reach that age when you realize that it's the next generation Mm -hmm. that has to carry on. And I, you know, I feel like we have such a responsibility in the newspaper business that, uh, again, it does give me goosebumps. And so I I find myself more here trying to, like, do those teaching moments. And I'm like, I hope they don't think I'm just old. You know, (laughs) I hope they really appreciate that this is coming from, you know, a place in my heart that that means means well. But it's incredibly important for the next generation because I won't be here forever. Yeah. So 55, I'm not going to predict your retirement, but, you know, over the next 10, 15 years, have you thought about what you want that to look like and what you, I don't, do you think women think about legacy in the the way men do? You know, I I think, I think we don't. Yeah. Um, And certainly in our business, we've had a lot of changes. Yeah. So where maybe people were thinking, starting to think about legacy, I think a lot of, there was a lot of disruption. Um, for us though, and when I look at my career and where I am now and where the industry is, you know, m- my legacy and my hope is that I help bring us through and define the other side. Um, you know, print's very strong, mm-hmm. but it it's really is a generational thing. Mm-hmm. And so digital is, it, it is the future. I'm not yeah. saying that print's going to die, you know, in two years, three years. But, yeah. uh, you know, at some point, our digital subscription growth is imperative. Right. And so the work that we're doing around that right now is just critical to our future. And, yeah. you know, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I want to help get us through to the other side. Right. So... You look maybe out in our newsroom or out in the other floors, women in their 20s where you were, you know, in that moment at 26. What advice do you have for them? Well, I I hope, uh, you know, the advice that I would say is just don't be afraid to ask to try new things. Mm -hmm. Um, I fear sometimes that women aren't as good as men at asking for that next role. Um, you know, we we tend to want to do very good in the role that we're in, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think we do really good work, and we want to make people happy. I mean, we're that nurturing, you know, yeah. person. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes we're not always the spokesperson for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We want to build everybody else up. But uh, I mentioned Larry Whitaker yeah. earlier, and I go back, uh, had some great mentors along the way. But, you know, Larry always told me, he said, you know, when there are training opportunities that come up, you know, I, I do want you to ask mm-hmm. if you're interested because he said, you can't always rely on me to say this is a good opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, you know, you've got to want it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he said, you have to be willing to go for it. So I really hope that young women today um, aren't bashful yeah. and that they'll, you know, hold up their hand and ask for things that they, they're interested in. All right, well, thank you for spending some time with me. You're very welcome. Thank you. Desbo Payment Solutions provides point-of-sale systems to local and nationwide businesses. 
Desba's mission is to educate and provide choices in point-of-sale systems to match your business needs. We listen and help to find exactly what you're looking for and at the best pricing possible. Desba's Payment Solutions is proud to be a woman-owned business and passionate about making a difference in the community. Desba was founded by Linda Hancock in 2003 and has built a reputation around the Charleston area as a competent, hardworking, and beneficial business partner. Working with Desba benefits everyone, not just your business. Desba is a company with community at its heart. We the Women is a special series of the Post and Courier in celebration of the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment. To enjoy all 19 interviews, visit postandcourier.com backslash we the women.